A David and Goliath tale set in an of-the-day high school and follows Meredith Brooks's bitch. Today's melee, Heathers versus the Craft versus Jawbreaker versus Mean Girls versus John Tucker must die. It's me. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere from two movie aficionados? I'm the bitchy ringleader of this operation, John, and with me is the new girl who has no intention of taking me down, but well, Shady. Hey. Shady, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Man, Just... five, mo- five movies. Five movies. Five movies that um, were very fun to, like, revisit, though, I will say. Yes. Um, yes. And then, um, obviously, the last time we did five movies, though, was episode 13, which uh, the Final Destination franchise. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, like, I, I feel like even this has its own franchise, but, like, they're not sequels in a way (laughs) they feel like they take place in if not the same universe adjacent universes yes like yeah they go to the same high school but they're in different cliques you know right because i mean everyone well we'll get we'll get get into it we'll get into it we'll get into it but we got to start with obviously the granddaddy of them all heathers came out in 1989 Written by Daniel Waters, who I don't think has any relations to John Waters, if I'm... No relation to John Waters, but a relation to another Waters, who we might bring up in this. Later? Yes. (laughs) Oh. Oh, okay. I got you. I see you, Heather. It's, uh, Heather's is directed by Michael Lehman on Rock. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 93% fresh rating. And on Metacritic, it's got a 72 out of 100, which is so low, and I'm very upset. Um, But I get it. (laughs) I understand. Uh, And according to IMDb, in order to get out of the snobby clique that is destroying her good girl reputation, ooh, we're already wrong, um, (laughs) an intelligent... An intelligent team teams up with a dark sociopath in a plot to kill the cool kids. All right. And then in 1996, we have The Craft. Story by Peter Filardi. Screenplay by Peter Filardi and Andrew Fleming. Directed by Andrew Fleming. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of a 56% splat and a Metacritic score of 55 out of 100. And the... IMDb summary for that is a newcomer to a Catholic prep high school falls in with a trio of outcast teenage girls who practice witchcraft and they all soon conjure up various spells and curses against those who anger them. And then we jump three years to 1999 with Jawbreaker written and directed by Darren Stein. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has 11% splat rating. (laughs) 
and Metacritic has a 22 out of 100. And according to IMDb, three of the most popular girls at Reagan High accidentally kill the prom queen with a jawbreaker when a kidnapping goes horribly wrong. Mm, no, but yes. The wording is off. Yeah. Um, and it feels like they just described the very first scene. They did not describe right. the movie. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. In 2004, we have Mean Girls. Uh, written, well, screenplay by Tina Fey, based off the book Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman, and that was directed by Mark Waters, who I did look it up. He is, in fact, the brother of Daniel Waters, who wrote Heathers. Da-da! Da-da! There it is. <laughs> it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of an 84% fresh, a Metacritic score of 66 out of 100, and the IMDb summary is, Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list, cl- the A-list girl click at her new school, until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron, Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of alpha plastic Regina George. <laughs> <laughs> I... I struggled with that one. I'm sorry, you guys. Oh, uh, no, I'm just laughing at alpha plastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one that puts these, uh, our outlines together with all this information, and I don't even read this half the time. <laughs> it's just copy-paste. Yeah. <laughs> so so th- these are honest reactions from me <laughs> and Lauren. And then in 2006, two years later, we have John Tucker Must Die, uh, written by Jeff Lowell, directed by Betty Thomas, uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 27% splat, and Metacritic 41 out of 100. And according to IMDb, three ex-girlfriends of a serial cheater set up their former lover to fall for the new girl in town so they can watch him get his heart broken. Yeah? Yeah. That yeah. one's the that one's like the best out of all of them. Yeah, I think that's the most accurate. Um, I do want to make a note real quick uh, between the writers and directors of these five movies. Obviously, Mean Girls was written by a woman, and John Tucker Must Die was directed by a woman. I think it's interesting that uh, one of the co-writers and the director of The Craft, Andrew Fleming. And Darren Stein, who wrote and directed Jawbreaker, are both openly gay men. As far as I can tell, Heathers is the only one that's both written and directed by straight men. As far as I can tell, they're both straight. Um, But it was also produced by a woman, Denise Denovi. So I wanted to get her name in there, too, just because these are very movies that are very specifically about feminine uh, social circles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. 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 Like, there's not really a way to do these movies gender swapped uh, that you wouldn't have to make a lot of adjustments for it, just because it's very specifically about the way that young girls are socialized. Yeah. Yeah. But before and before we get into it, I want to introduce a new segment that I didn't even tell Shady about. It's called "Welcome Back." <laughs> <laughs> It'll really only work for this episode. <laughs> Are we welcoming back Betty Thomas? We're welcoming back Breckenmeyer, Rachel McAdams, <laughs> Brittany Snow, uh, Betty Thomas, uh, Carol Kane, uh, Christine Taylor, 
uh, Nev Campbell, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, Rebecca Gayhart, Ethan Erickson, Jenny McCarthy, and Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> so welcome back, everyone. <laughs> All of them personal friends of the pod. Yes. We're so happy. And Amanda Seyfried is like our newest friend. So welcome back so soon. <laughs> but Breckenmeyer is our oldest friend, you know, since episode two. <laughs> All right, thank you for, for welcoming them back. If only Donald Faison was in one of these movies. Donald Faison or Dakota Johnson. I'm pretty sure they're still oh, the two Johnson. most featured people on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, <laughs> you know, going through it, I was just like, I wonder how many this this is like a, an our all stars episode. Yeah, really. Kind of, yeah, because you have and, all those people. Right. We also have a few people who we might be welcoming back in future episodes. In future episodes, because we this have. One. Ooh, who knows? <laughs> uh, Rebecca Gayhart, Ethan Erickson, and Jenny McCarthy. I only I I want to give them an honorable mention because like we didn't really talk about Scream Two or Scream Three in that episode but we kind of danced around it and they yeah. were in those movies yeah a lot of scream alums <laughs> but let's get into these movies let's and do doing it. what doing our job shall we <laughs> i found only two things that were similar throughout all five movies okay you may have found more or you may have worded it differently okay but like uh in in all five movies there's a power shift mm -hmm. and the unpopular girl becomes popular um by obviously various means <laughs> yeah because in one movie there's witchcraft so <laughs> right but then I also wrote down that all five movies have a toxic hetero relationship. Yeah, I want, oh, that was a point that I wanted to bring up. Was yeah? Like, I was going to word it as an ill-advised hetero relationship, but I was going to emphasize that it was very hetero. Who did you write down for Mean Girls? Um, I, well, the toxic relationship is Regina and Aaron. Because I wrote down Regina in everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Regina is um, not a good influence on any single person. No. Until the uh, end. Yeah. Yeah, no. She, need, she needs to have a big change of heart. <laughs> and she needs to channel her anger before she can, yes. like, be productive with her life. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I agree with those being the two biggest things i also was gonna say but this is very much something that lives in the subtext for most of these movies uh only two of the movies bring it to text um but there is a lot of girl on girl sexual tension in all of these movies oh i didn't even write that down yeah and i think like with heathers i think it's very much accidental um with the craft i don't know if it's accidental but in jawbreaker like 
Rose McGowan straight up tells uh, Rebecca Gayhart that she's turning her on at one point and she's being like coy and like joking about it. But like, there's a kind of an idea that it's more than just a joke. And then obviously Judy Greer is like fucking obsessed with uh, Liz, her, to the point where she's like in love with her. Yes. She, because even when she uh, talks to the cops, She's like, oh, I didn't know her, but I loved her, you know? I stared at her beauty marks all through class, and I would make shapes out of her beauty marks. And, oh, girl. (laughs) I need a fan. It's getting hot in here. Yeah. Um, And then with Mean Girls, obviously, there's the whole storyline where Regina spread a rumor about Janice Ian being a lesbian. Um, But it still feels like, yeah, I kind of feel like Regina does have tension with Katie and with Janice and to some degree with Gretchen as well. But then at the end, there's the fan theory that um, she's now a lesbian. Right, because she joins the field hockey team. But then, you know, there's that uh, other field hockey player when the gang waves at her, gives them all like, back away from my woman kind of a face. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously uh, John Tucker Must Die is the only one where girls actually kiss, but it's like, it's a cute coy practice kiss. And like, we're kind of making a joke about it. But also like Sophia Bush also says that Jenny McCarthy is hot. And Sophia Bush in general is an actress who always has insane chemistry with every woman she ever shares a scene with. Yeah, I feel like she, I know her character is supposed to be the quote-unquote easy one. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, she'd sleep with anyone if she had it, if she wanted to. If she wanted to. Yeah, no, I get the feeling that she's probably going to come out as bisexual as she gets older. Well, here's a point, too, that I didn't include John Tucker Must Die because this movie was a little different from Mm -hmm. the point I want to make, is that there are... A, well, no, I was going to say there are a group of three girls that add a fourth. And so John Tucker Must Die doesn't, they're not friends. That's the whole point. Right. That was the point I'm trying to make across. Right. This. And they don't, they like know each other, but they don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, they're not friends. They have no reason to like each other. So like um, Heather's, The Craft and Mean Girls are the ones that have, there are three established popular girls in a clique that Mm. add a fourth one. And Jawbreaker, though technically started as four, um, they murdered one. Immediately. Immediately. (laughs) Which, by the way, I didn't realize that Marilyn Manson was the guy that they um, Uh set up. Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, given uh, recent stories about him, is uh, just a little <laughs> these days. <laughs> we won't get into it. We're going to separate the <laughs> art from the artists. <laughs> this, yes. I agree with you there, separating John Tucker from that. But it is still notable that there is still sort of this dynamic with John Tucker Must Die that the three girls, um, Heather, Beth, and Carrie, are still sort of, even though they're not friends with each other, they are the three insiders versus Kate, who is the mm-hmm. new girl. 
So there is yeah, that, still a little bit of that dynamic happening. Yeah, that, that's why I was tentative to add it. No, no, so I think you were, it, you were smart to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like giving it an honorable mention, you know, just right. to be like, you guys were close, but we right. get that that was the point of your movie. Um, it, it does, going back to what you were saying about Jawbreaker too, it is interesting that that's the one where like the main, what I would consider the core cast of characters is not four girls because with Jawbreaker, it's very, you don't really know how to classify Judy Greer's character at any point, whether she's really in with the clique or not. Yeah, that movie was a little weird. That movie's, <laughs> that movie is very surreal extremely 90s i adore that movie because like i i know we don't really like uh recap them but i need to just talk about it because i still don't understand so they fern realizes like finds out that they're that um what's her name is dead right yeah, liz, liz, liz finds out liz is dead and so rose mcgowan's character blackmails her into not saying anything by making her popular she uses it as like a bribe basically it's a, more of a bribe than a blackmail okay yeah yeah like she's like oh you could tell everyone or you could be one of the queens of the school with us which is not going to mm. happen if we're rotting away in jail you know but then violet becomes more popular which, which brings back to what I said earlier about the power shift. Yeah. You know, they had to take her down. Yeah. But it's, you know? it's interesting with Jawbreaker because I feel like in the context of a high school setting and the socio-political landscape of that particular setting, I, when I mm -hmm. say it's the most political, I don't mean like, has to do with like government policy or anything i mean like political in that ecosystem but it is the one that like most kind of deals with how powerless everyone else is against courtney rose mcgowan's character um and how easily she can manipulate things to her own will when really from the beginning she should not have that much power at all she it was a very sloppy job that she did of covering up that murder, but she just intimidates everyone else so much that like- She's also, she's also the shortest out of all of them. Yeah. So it's, I found that kind of funny. <laughs> oh, 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 I have another one. I have another one that's in all five of them. Okay. By the way. Yeah. Um, they make a point to uh, point out the cliques, the different cliques of the school. Yeah. Like, to the point where in Mean Girls, there's a map. Yeah. they Oh, they do the whole cafeteria breakdown thing. Yes. And, you know, um, well, is there one in Jawbreaker of the cafeteria breakdown? There's not like a cafeteria it... breakdown. They just sort of like, they talk about like. The theater the kids versus and, like, the, the theater jocks. kids and the goth kids and yeah. Yeah. But in like. Heather's, I don't want to say this bold statement, but I'm going to say this bold statement. I feel like Heather's was the first movie to like really put a, words to it. I could be wrong. I know I'm wrong. But in um, our, in, in today's episode, it is the first movie <laughs> to put words yeah. to it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to think if we would say the Breakfast Club, because the Breakfast Club didn't name clicks, but it did name maybe, the identities maybe of the Maybe Fast Times? Uh, oh, it's been a while since I've seen Fast Times. No, I think I you know. might... I think you might be right because I think it might be at least in terms of like Hollywood movies. Um, it's like one of the earliest movies that really deals with how cutthroat the cliques can be and how exclusive they can be. Especially with poor Martha. Poor Martha. Oh. <laughs> and like, I know a lot of people like to compare Heathers and Mean Girls, but like, there's other things that the other three movies in this episode have in common with those two. Yeah. Uh, for example, a character is a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, a main character is a sociopath. And then you have toxic masculinity, revenge storyline. Okay, so in three of them, I wrote down that they use their own slang Heather's Jawbreaker and Mean Girls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And they also have the most stylized dialogue. Uh, whereas yes. The Craft and John Tucker Must Die heightened in different ways, but like the as far as the dialogue goes, pretty typical for the craft a little more drama and John Tucker Must Die a little more mainstream comedy, but like pretty typical for those styles. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, yeah. Heathers, and Jawbreaker are more distinct. And I feel like, ooh, wait a second. Here's another one that, go with me on this one. It's okay. a very minute detail, but in all of these movies, you actually see the students in class, like yeah. doing work. Oh, Heathers though? Heather's the least really they they're in school a lot but a lot of it is like in the bathroom or in the cafeteria and then the ending where they're at the pep rally right um but like the craft definitely there's a class you've got the classroom scene where Nev Campbell sees what's her name Robin Tunney yeah 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 and then Jawbreaker has that amazing montage with all three of them in different classes and being guilted in different ways. <laughs> and speaking of montages, Heather's is the only one that does not have montages in that movie. Not in the what we would consider montage, no. It has no. montage editing, but all movies do. Yeah. But like there wasn't one that was like a makeover montage because already we're at the beginning where Veronica is already part of the Heathers. <laughs> right. So, okay, yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up too, that there's a makeover in each of these movies, with the big exception being Heathers. So I know Heathers the musical added this whole sort of preamble to the opening of it, where uh -huh. they talk about Veronica becoming part of the Heathers and, anything, and everything. That's only ever really implied in the movie. It's never even outright stated that she was like a loser before the Heathers got to her. Just sort of that she went through the same awkward pubescent yeah. things that we all do, really. Heather Chandler brought it up at one point, you know, where she was like, do you want to go back to being a nobody? I think she says that. Or am I thinking of another one of the other movies? Oh, yeah, no, you know what, you might be right. 
You might, this one was the first one I watched, so I don't remember. But <laughs> I would, I would argue though, that I feel like in terms of costuming, Veronica has a D makeover. Yeah. Not like a makeover to be popular, but a makeover to be herself. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes more of an individual. She becomes more Veronica. Yes. <laughs> I also said that four of them have a dream sequence. John Tucker mm-hmm. Must Die is the only one. There, it was weird. A lot of them, it's either Heather's or John Tucker Must Die. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> have a I lot of similarities. Like in a lot of ways, I'm glad we brought it up and are talking about it too, but I feel like there are a lot of ways where like John Tucker is the one that you can kind of discard from some of the similarities. Because yes. that's also the one where the revenge is against a popular boy, not a popular girl. Which right. does change the dynamic quite a bit. But you, it's also that the popular girls are fighting each other yeah. to get the popular boy right? at some points. So it's a little, <laughs> it's a little weird because, like, there's just revenge everywhere. <laughs> but Jawbreaker is really the only one that's not about revenge, really. It's about covering up a murder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it becomes... Yeah, it doesn't even really become revenge in the end, you can't really say, because it becomes about exposing something that Courtney did and has been hiding up. Yes. And, like, a lot of that is motivated by this sense of she's been, she has wronged people her entire life. She's been manipulating people her entire life, so this is her ultimate comeuppance. But it's not really revenge. Like, it's not really revenge. It's, like, outright justice. It's no, we need we need her we need her to be exposed for this heinous murder that she caused. Justice for Barb. Justice for Liz Per. Hashtag justice. If we're gonna talk about other things that we can sort of exclude one movie of the five, um obviously the craft has its own major twist, which is uh that first of all, it's not a comedy. The rest of them are either straight up comedies or black comedies. Um, and the craft is the most straightforward drama of them, which isn't to say it doesn't have its funny moments. Um, and then also, obviously, it's the only one with a supernatural element because they're witches, they do magic. Right. But, okay, would you agree that the other four movies, um, a lot of the plot is built around at least one prank that's being done? And the craft doesn't really have much time for pranks. Uh, like well, I don't, I, I don't know if I would consider the spells pranks, really. No, and the way that, and you're using pranks with like air quotes on some with like Heather's, right. right? Heather's and Jawbreaker, they're both pranks gone wrong, and somebody has ended up dead. Well, not really. Or or somebody has. Uh, lying to somebody else about, right. about calling them pranks, but they're not pranks. <laughs> right, no, like uh, somebody's been tricked into actually murdering somebody else, which, by the way, is how the fuck did she fall for that whole thing about the gun? I have no idea. <laughs> like, sorry, did, Veronica Sawyer, you're wonderful, but you're really stupid. How did she not, like, pay attention to the mug? Yeah. With Heather Chandler. Right. Um, but. Uh, Obviously, Jawbreaker begins with a prank gone wrong because 
gagging uh, Liz Purr with a jawbreaker was supposed to be part of a prank for her birthday. And then she choked on it and died. And then Mean Girls, they're trying to prank Regina George's life, basically, to show her that she's a bitch. But in doing so, Katie becomes the new Queen Bee and accidentally becomes a bitch. Yeah. And then John Tucker must die. It's all about pranking John Tucker until... all about it. Um, With the craft in Mean Girls, though, more so... I wrote down that it's two rival parties that were rivals before the movies. Mm. Okay. Because, like, with Heather's, J.D. is the new kid. That's the other thing, too. Um, four, three of them have the new girl in school, which is the Craft, Mean Girls, and John Tucker. Right. I said new girl. If it's new kid, we can include Heather's. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I want, I was going more so with the, the female um, messages and stories going on. Right. But yeah, with the rivaling parties, I don't, I mean, I feel like Rebecca Gayhart's character in Jawbreaker always hated Courtney, but like never really said anything about it because she didn't have to. Yeah, it's, um... It's a little unclear. The biggest clue we get to what her character was before they accidentally killed Liz is that little moment in the beginning where they're walking down the hallway, Fern drops her papers, and Liz helps her pick them up, which establishes that Liz was the nice one of the group. Rebecca Gayhart's character, Julie, is the one who steps over her. So in that moment, she's the meanest one because she straight up doesn't even look at her. And she had the most reason to at least look at her and acknowledge her. And she was like, nope, I'm going to step over her. So there, as much as I love this movie, I think they fumbled a bit with her character motivations in the beginning and whether that was her turn to sort of the good side, if you want to say, was after the murder or if she was already one of the better ones of that clique. And speaking of that moment, (laughs) four of these movies have a voiceover narration. Yeah. Which, okay, so with continuing on with Jawbreaker, the ending, is that supposed to be like a repeat of Fern's testimony? Or is that supposed to be like this whole movie is Fern's testimony? This movie is very surreal. It has lots of moments of (laughs) surreality. And therefore, I have no answer. Great. (laughs) But then um, in Mean Girls, Katie serves as as a narrator, Mm -hmm. and as well as Kate in John Tucker Must Die. And then Veronica, oh, Veronica with her monocle writing in her diary. (laughs) The big, big looping strokes. Dear Diary, my teenage angst bullshit has a body count. <laughs> I fucking hate Heather Chandler. She's so... <laughs> it's, so, it's so wonderful. It sets the tone for this movie so well. Like, I genuinely think I wouldn't like this movie half as much if it weren't for that whole framing device. Well, could we say that uh, there are... All five movies have a surreal element to it. Or does John Tucker, is John Tucker the most grounded? Mm, 
in some ways I would argue that the craft is the most grounded. Like it's the one, despite having the supernatural elements, it's the one that sort of tonally and stylistically feels the most like the real world. But then yeah, it does have the supernatural element. Well, that's, um, I don't know if I want to say super, like a fantastical element to each, to the, these movies. Because like in Heather's, Right. No, no, no. I agree with you. But even like John Tucker Must Die, in that case, I would agree is the most uh, grounded. But even that feels like a heightened cartoony universe. Yeah, because like, especially when he wears the thong and all the men join him. Right. And like the last, the, the, the gag at the end is that the, the male teachers also wear thongs. Like. Right. But yeah, going back to what you were saying before about the tones, yes, to that degree, I would agree that um, at least uh, the craft goes fantastical and supernatural. Um, mean Girls goes cartoony to the point of having fantasy sequences. And Heathers and Jawbreaker both have outright surreal moments where like, you, genu- you genuinely don't know if what you saw on screen is what is meant to have happened in the movie or if it's just a stylized way to show what happened. And John Tucker is just heightened. Yeah, I would agree with that. That birthday party? Who the fuck has that? <laughs> right. Um, also, all of these movies, wealth has something to do with someone's social standing. Okay. Um, yes. Which, you know, also plays into real life oftentimes the kids who can best follow trends are the kids with the most money but in heather's i don't know if they ever outright say that they're from the wealthier families but it seems you can like see it right yeah it's it's there well they kind of they they hinted it more with gretchen and with regina yeah karen not so much but like Karen is also not struggling, according to her wardrobe. Right. Gretchen claims to be the daughter, or the daughter of the man who invented toaster strudel. Yes. And then we see Regina's room and her house. It's a fucking mansion. Yeah. And her mom just got a boob job. Mom just got a boob job. (laughs) Uh, Amy Poehler. Love you. (laughs) Come on the pod, Amy Poehler. Come on the pod. (laughs) And then John Tucker obviously is wealthy enough to have that huge fucking party, which is, mm-hmm. they described it as like prom and homecoming and the VMAs all mixed together or something. And then in Jawbreaker, obviously the houses we see are quite nice. We can assume that they have money. But then Courtney also draws this comparison with the way that Fern slash Violet is handling her newfound popularity as somebody who never had money, who suddenly comes into a lot of money and, you know, basically calls her nouveau riche for popular people. So I don't even know that we can say Fern doesn't come from as much money, but there is still this sort of comparison between popularity and wealth being made directly. And then with Heather's though, I just feel like it depends on who flaunts it more. Oh, we could say too, though, Heather's JD is the outsider. He definitely comes from a working class background. 
And that's the same for Nancy in the craft, who definitely comes from a working class background and is vilified the most of all the girls from the get-go. Mm. Poor Martha again. Poor Martha. Love Martha. Martha, come on the pod. <laughs> Martha, I love you. And listen, they it'll all be just, okay. It'll be okay. It gets better. <laughs> Although I like that. <laughs> It's interesting because I know the musical more than I remember the movie. And in the <laughs> musical, there's a song called Big Fun. And that's the name of the, I forgot that was the name of the band. Oh. That, that sings the teenage suicide song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Majority of these movies, I don't know if it's all five. Go with me on this. Okay. I think that I think the craft is the only one that's the odd man out, but all five movies have like a big stereotypical school sanctioned event that happens. So for mm-hmm. Heather's, you've got the pep rally, Jawbreakers prom, uh, Mean Girls is the spring fling queen, yeah, and then John Tucker is the away game. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Right, but that's placed a little differently than the first three because those are the climax of the film. In John Tucker, it's still part of the second act. The climax is his birthday party. Well, yeah, I just meant, like, in general, they each have a school-sanctioned event. Okay. The craft, though, doesn't, right? Am I correct in saying that? No, you're right, because the... The party is a is a party. Right. It's just a party. And then the climax is at uh, Sarah's house. Right. Which and that and that also makes it different because even if you want to stretch it to say that all of them have climaxes that occur at a big event and then you change John Tucker's from the away game to his birthday party, the craft would still be the odd man out because it's just at Sarah's house. Yeah, because you know the bill the build-up to the climax, or like, you know, the sort of tipping point to it is at the party, but like, mm, nope, it all happens at the at the house when Sarah com- becomes her own. Yeah. Cl- she claims her own. Yeah. Um, for Heather's Jawbreaker, Heather's Jawbreaker and John Tucker Must Die, the color red is very important to them. Mm, yes. Because um, obviously, in Heather's, it's the only movie where the characters are given a specific color. Mm-hmm. So like the Heather's are are a stoplight, and then Veronica is blue, mm-hmm. and then JD is black, obviously, because he's the loner kid who, um, you know, <laughs> he's the reason why this movie is a lot more uncomfortable post Columbine. Yep. Um, and then in Jawbreaker, Violet is in all red and she's got the red. Ooh, is that a Cadillac? That's yeah. Cadillac, right? Yeah, she always wears either red or pink. And then Courtney very prominently wears red, like all red in that one scene after Liz's death. And then John Tucker, the red thong. <laughs> <laughs> and Stretch. Because technically maroon is a shade of red. Their school colors are maroon and white. There you go. So the cheerleaders wear maroon. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because in the craft, 
all their colors are dark and even like their um their uniforms mm-hmm. there's the the only the only lightness quote unquote to it is a white shirt yeah and then in um mean girls it's just every color <laughs> every color possible yeah <laughs> In the first three movies, obviously, someone is killed. At least one person is killed by the actions of the popular clique or or the person working against the popular clique. But I feel like this is a light example, a very lightened example of that in both Mean Girls and John Tucker Must Die. They do kind of fuck with somebody's body chemistry. Which isn't, you know, going yes. to the extreme of killing them, but it is also, it's presented, it's very funny in the movies, and I will accept it as comedy for these movies, but in real life, it's really fucked up if you either force someone to eat or, or trick someone into eating something that they don't know what's in it and they don't know what they're eating to lie to them about right. what's going to do to their bodies. And then also to trick someone into having um, estrogen in their drinks. Oh, my God. Obviously not as bad as murdering somebody. I just want to make that clear. But both of those things are still really fucked up, and it is still, like, an attack on somebody's body. Right? <laughs> um, I also wrote down that Heather's, Mean Girls, and um, John Tucker Must Die have the stereotypical passionate speech at the end that's in the form of apology. Mm, they do. The craft... John Tucker and Mean Girls, the story, the, everything's all like wrapped up nicely at the end. Because mm-hmm. like, although in Heather's, you have JD is gone, there's still like that potential of Heather Duke being around. Yeah. Yeah, she's and still then, a threat in some way. And then with Jawbreaker, it just ends. <laughs> yeah. They play the her the recording yeah of court of courtney's confession yeah and you've got the people stoning her with their bouquets <laughs> not their bouquets their their carnations and things like that oh it's so oh. great i love it <laughs> wild yeah um also like i don't know if that confession would really be admissible in court i'm not going to question it because there's a lot in this movie that um is obviously <laughs> surreal like <laughs> Burns makeover is literally just stylized as this like strange uh Frankenstein um <laughs> no, I, had, I had I I had no idea what was going on. I I feel like I've seen this movie before recording this episode. Mm-hmm. And then rewatching it, I was just like, is this the makeover montage? What is going Yeah, What's no, going that's on it. Here? <laughs> that weird cartoony Frankenstein thing. That's her whole makeover. I have a I have a major difference between all of these. I know we talked about differences and things like that, but yeah. the one of the major differences is the setting. Because mm. you have um they don't really in Heathers, they don't say where Westerberg is. I'm just gonna say any town America. Right, well, yeah, but like they have a town, a name for it, Westerberg. Yeah. Um, in the craft, it's LA. In Jawbreaker, they all that's the one that they don't say a name at all. Yep. Um, so but I feel like it's uh, any town America. 
Yeah. In uh, Mean Girls, they mention Illinois. They don't give a specific town. Uh, her, mo- her mom has tenure at Nor- Northwestern, so they live in Chicagoland. Ah. And then, um, okay, so this is the one that is, uh, John Tucker is any town USA because they move around a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the point where, like, this can happen at any high school. Yeah. That's, or I may be reading a little too much into this movie, but that's what I read from it at this watch. I will say that it's a movie that supposedly takes place over several months and they never wear winter clothes. It's weird that (laughs) Mean Girls is in Illinois. Yeah, no. And and they also never wear winter clothes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and they no. go through. <laughs> Chicago's a little, a little famous for its winters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's also known as I don't know the windy city. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanna I feel like Jawbreaker is California just by yeah. like the Beverly Hillsy feel of it. Yeah, it feels very at the very least like it was largely inspired by Clueless and stuff like that and sort of wanted to be almost the anti-Clueless. Ah, Clueless. You were such a good movie to do. Clueless was amazing. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wrote down that you want to like mention or have you thought of anything that you want to mention? With the exception of the craft because they're not the popular girls. They're all the outcasts at first. Um, but with the other movies, you do get like the dumb one and you do get the one who's sort of the brains of the operation. The stereotypes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you do get the stocks, you know, you have Heather McNamara, uh, Marcy Fox played by the amazing Julie Benz. <laughs> um, and then Karen, amazing performance by Amanda Seyfried. And uh, Beth, Sophia Bush, they're the dumb ones, you know? And then you've got uh, the one who's obviously the head of the group and the most natural leader and the one who's the most natural underling. But with that one, with John Tucker, it's a little sort of... That one, that one the craft comes in and right, John Tucker right. takes a step out. So right. like... Because with John Tucker, Heather and Carrie could both have, they both have qualities of the leader, but they split them because Carrie's the smart one and Heather's the one who like really rules the school and she's the most assertive. Ashanti is Heather, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because then, you know, in the craft, Feruza Balk is the queen bitch of their group. Yeah. And then I would argue that Bonnie is her sidekick. Um, Rochelle is a little more, stays a little more sympathetic the whole time. Bonnie's the one who gets a little bitchier, a little nastier. I feel like, yeah, 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 because Bonnie's the one that has the growth and the turn, because she's the one that starts meek and very, like, covered and everything because of her scars and all that. And then when the scars go away, she's like, whatever, fuck it, I'm hot. Look at me and my sh- cap sleeve shirt that yeah. still covers up my back. Right. I'm so sexy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Rochelle, she, of those three, um, because we're not including Sarah in this conversation, of those three, she's the one who kind of comes the closest to showing any remorse for what they've done throughout the movie. I was going to say, she's also Sporty Spice. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but she does like have like a moment where she does look genuinely concerned when somebody who's been like awful and racist to her the whole time, who also, hi, Christine Taylor. <laughs> um, we welcomed you back, but like, mm, <laughs> yeah, races were made. Um, but like somebody who's genuinely been awful to her and she still has like a moment where she seems to be like considering that what they did to her as retribution was too far. It's a small right. moment, but like it's there. It's it's something compared to the other two. Right. Would you argue though that Heather's The Craft and Mean Girls have the most quotable lines in pop culture out of the five of these movies? Yeah. Because, like, I was, I was watching Job Breaker, and I was like, nothing's really quotable in this. Like, there's nothing... I think there are quotable lines. It's just that the movie isn't popular enough. Right. Like, right. I am God, I made you, could be, like, a quotable line, but not enough people would understand the reference. It's not, like, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Right, exactly. <laughs> And it's or, certainly no you go Glen Coco. You go or um she's sorry, 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 sorry. We are the weirdos, mister. <laughs> but even in that one, um the scene of them walking down the hallway was done in a cartoon. Yeah. Which also Three of these movies do have that slow-mo scene of the click walking down a hallway because the craft has it, and that's an iconic image from that movie. Right. But Jawbreaker and Mean Girls also have that. Yes. Yes. Because Jawbreaker opens up with it, and that's where we get the establishment that Liz is the nice one because she's the one who helped Fern. And then once Katie becomes full-blown plastic, that's when... She falls into a garbage can. She falls into a garbage can to prove (laughs) that she's still a trash monster. (laughs) But her skirt in that scene is so cute, and I've been jealous of it ever since I first saw this movie. I mean, you could wear that outfit and rock it. Uh, It wouldn't cover up my butt. (laughs) We could add some inches, you know, make it a little longer. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll draw we'll, sketches later. We'll, we'll alter it to you. <laughs> Would you also say, and again, a lot of this is different with Jawbreaker because it's not as popular as these other movies. But would you say that the craft, Heather's, Mean Girls, and Jawbreaker's, Jawbreaker has the potential for like some of the most iconic contemporary costuming in movies? In Hollywood movies, yeah, like the craft. I think all. I think mm, all but John Tucker, really. Yeah, I, I like. I I'm obsessed with the clothes in Jawbreaker. The clothes in that movie are fucking incredible. Right, and then in Heather's, obviously, with the musical being a thing as well, um, you have the iconic blazers with the plaid skirts and mm. the and the knee-high socks and the ponytails uh, and the ponytails and the with the scrunchies and all that yeah um mean girls it's a fashion show but like 
But like, if I tell you I'm a mouse, duh, you know exactly what she's wearing. John, I have been to so many Halloween parties where there was some queen in a wife beater with the with the nipples cut out and a and a purple bra <laughs> and a blonde wig. Exactly. And then with the craft, like you have Nancy with the necklaces weighing her down and mm-hmm. not Nancy. Yeah, Nancy. Am I saying the right name? Feruza Balk with all of her <laughs> necklaces weighing her down. And then you have fucking um, Rob and Tani with the ugly wig because she was in another <laughs> movie at the same time. Yeah. <gasps> oh, God, I hate that wig. <laughs> you can see mm, the craft is the one that's like a little iffy, but like you can picture Nancy's at least face and some like an outfit that she could have worn yeah. or did wear. And like even like, uh, like a fashion statement with like some of like the alt girls and everything these days um, to wear a plaid skirt with a white t-shirt or something and like those suspenders and the thigh highs like they do uh, when they like start modifying their uh, school uniform and stuff. Yeah. Like, Which I was this movie's... very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that movie I think like still turns out really iconic looks even though it's like further hindered by the fact that they go to a Catholic school and have to wear uniforms. And then here's another point I want to bring up. At least two of the movies, the popular kids are juniors throughout majority of the movie. Yep. Um, I'm unclear about John Tucker Must Die and Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker, I'm going to say they're definitely seniors. Oh yeah, they said they said that they're seniors. Uh, I'm unclear yeah. about John Tucker Must Die and The Craft. Okay. Craft yeah. is the one that I was like a little meh about. Yeah, The Craft, they really could be any grade. Like there's no indication. I would say senior just because they look older. John Tucker, I would say maybe John Tucker and the three ex-girlfriends are all seniors and Kate and the other Tucker are maybe juniors. Yeah, because the other Tucker is definitely the younger brother. Right. And I would assume Kate is younger than the other girls. Well, she's in the same science class as the other Tucker, so it would be logical if they were in the same grade. Right. But, like, I could also see potentially um, Beth being a junior. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Or at least one, one of them can be a junior. Because they they've ro- rose to popularity and within their own clique, the craft I can I feel like they can be. I know they're uh, they look older, but in terms of what we are told, what we are seeing, mm-hmm. I feel like they are at least uh, sophomores. Oh yeah, they're definitely not freshmen. Right, and then Jawbreaker is the one that I'm. Do they say that they're seniors? I, I know they go to prom. Right. But like, I I know my school had a junior prom. Right. Mine did too. I don't know. I don't remember if they actually, like, flat out say that they're seniors or not. I only assume that because they treat prom queen like such a big deal. And I feel like it wouldn't be that big, that big of a deal if there was another year to win prom right. queen, you know? And, and then Mean Girls, they clearly are juniors and they mentioned juniors and all that mm-hmm. and they're seniors next year i almost watched mean girls too just to 
prepare more for this mo- for this episode, but I have you seen I went it against before? It. No, I oh, haven't. It's, John, it's bad. It doesn't. It didn't look good from the trailer. Oh, John, it's bad. <laughs> oh boy. I have seen the musical though. Yes, and then obviously there's two musicals based off the movies, which are Heather's and Mean Girls, Topbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I mean it's funny. <laughs> okay, but. This is just purely my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. I will fully respect you if you disagree with me. I think the one that has the most potential as a musical is John Tucker Must Die. Oh, yeah. Like, that would be so good as a musical. Oh, yeah. The My God, it's already written theatrically. It is. Like, the gags would work as musical numbers or as just, like, staged physical gags. I think it would work with, like, each girl having, like, a slightly different musical style when she has, like, a solo or whatever. And, like, that could, like, carry out into her click. People, all right, I'm doing a call to action in the (laughs) middle of the episode. Yeah. uh, You guys, let's do it. Betty Thomas, we need to get in touch with you. Or, or... I'm on the TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to people on the TikTok to <laughs> to they they made ratatouille. They can do this. Come on. I'm gonna add Ashanti and be like, "Can you make this into a musical, please?" Thank you. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get to special features? Oof, we really hit all the big points, didn't we? We did, and and added some points that yeah. we thought of. Yeah, yeah, we good team, good and productive. I think all my other thoughts that I had go in special features. They're like more trivia things. All right, let's do special features then. Special features. This is going to be a lot, but I hope you guys are ready. This, I feel like this is, as, as fun as the episode is to talk about the movies, this is also like a really fun moment because we get to research and I'm trying, I'm still trying to have Shady's head just explode everywhere and I'll finish the episode that way. <laughs> <laughs> I came close a few times, but not really. No, dude, that one... <laughs> From a diva's Christmas Carol. <laughs> My soul True. ascended when you told me that. Um, so, obviously, it's special features. Thirty-one episodes, and you guys know what we do. We we find fun facts and trivia in hopes to, you know, share with you and nerd out. And obviously, we rate IMDb for the most part. I took. Heather's Jawbreaker and John Tucker, and Shady has The Crafted Mean Girls. And so we're gonna bounce back and forth. So I'm gonna start with Heather's. Kim Locker, uh, all these facts, by the way, that I have for you today, I just pulled from IMDb, so I'm gonna read them exactly as written. Cool. Um, so don't at me, please, thank you. <laughs> Kim Locker, who played the leader of the Heathers, Heather Chandler, was dating Christian Slater while they were filming Heathers. According to Christian Slater, 
he dumped Walker so that he could date Winona Ryder, although Winona Ryder doesn't remember actually dating him. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, so this one's a little long, but it was so good that I had to add it. Uh, the original screenplay had a different ending in which Veronica kills JD by shooting him and then straps the bomb, a much lar- larger and more complicated piece of equipment describing as being, quote, a cylinder as large as a television set, end quote, to herself, blowing up as JD does in the final ending, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, What is placed at the final ending is JD's boiler room speech about imagine I blew up the school, imagine I blew up all the schools, is contained in a suicide note found in Heather's locker by Heather McNamara and Betty Finn. The movie ends with an eerie prom sequence set in heaven, tying into JD's assertion that the only place everyone will truly get along is in heaven. The prom begins with the students dancing within their social cliques, then switching partners to odd pairings like metalheads dancing with Heather's and one of the murdered jacks getting his prom picture taken with with a tipped cow. The punch being served is the drain cleaner used in the first murder scene and dump truck, quote unquote, not me, by the way, Martha is singing on stage as the entertainment for the evening. This This was intended to be shot, but the studio thought it was too dark for the target teenage crowd and opted for a lighter ending. Okay, hold on, wait. I knew I knew that it was supposed to end with the school getting blown up and everybody going to prom in heaven together. But the way you just described it, does that mean that Betty Finn and Heather McNamara were not killed? Yeah, that that's how it, this was written. So oh, like Oh, so, so so some of the kids survived. Yes. Oh. I don't know where the, they don't really mention where the bomb goes off, but presumably somewhere in the school that right. kills enough of them. Because uh, she strapped, Veronica straps a bomb to herself. Right. And then blows up. Um, so does it mention whether Heather Duke would have been dead or not? Does not mention. Okay. That, that, that did not mention. It would have been interesting if all of the Heathers ended up dead, including Veronica, except for Heather McNamara, because she's the one who's sort of the least threatening of all four of them, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how how true this is, because obviously, are you going great assault? Right. No, no, I've heard, like, similar stories. I didn't hear in that much detail, though. That's that's interesting. I feel like the, um, the suicide note that they find I don't know how true that portion is, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Um, And Hmm. then, finally, writer Daniel Waters, you know, our bestie, uh, (laughs) said in an interview, I did come up with a crazy cockamamie Heathers 2, where Veronica becomes a page for a senator named Heather, played by Meryl Streep. The ending is her assassination with the president. Wait. The ending is her assassinating the president and getting away with it, and it's a good thing. 
Winona Ryder was, has heavily supported the idea for a sequel, but as of 2014, nothing has come out of it. Okay. I'd watch it. <laughs> Daniel Waters, please make it happen. We're still in the... With Meryl Streep. She'll do it. She'll do yeah. it at this point. And, I, and a song and dance number for her. Why not? Right. Okay. <laughs> I know we I know we try not to be super like political on this, but like mm. following the last four years, and especially <laughs> especially 2020, uh, I would not be surprised if this movie came to be. <laughs> or this <laughs> came to be at least. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd watch it. I would support it. You've got my support. <laughs> All right, Shady, let's talk about, well, why don't you talk about Mean Girls? Nope, not Mean Girls, The Craft. <laughs> All right. So moving on to The Craft, you mentioned earlier Robin Tunney's wig. Yes. So the reason why she had to wear a wig uh, throughout this movie, and in some scenes it doesn't look so bad, um, but in other scenes it's very obviously a wig, that's because she had just finished filming Empire Records, and in that movie, which we may or may not talk about in a future episode, uh, that movie, she plays a character, Deb, who, similar to Sarah in this movie, prior to the events of the movie itself, um, attempted suicide by slitting her wrists. And in that movie, she dramatically shaves her head and she looks amazing. She pulls it off so well. That movie is my favorite movie. I love that movie. It's so fucking good. Yes. Um, and by the time she, she finished that movie and then started working on this one like within weeks of each other. So her hair had started growing out into what Andrew Fleming, the director, described as a cute pixie cut. Um, and he fought with the studio to let her just have that hair in the movie, and they wanted her to have long hair. So, oh, really? Yeah, because long hair is feminine. So wig. <laughs> so wait, did they wig her for the whole movie, or did she grow her hair out? I think she's wigged for the whole movie. Huh. Um, mm. They did also shoot this movie pretty much in chronological order because they wanted to set up the dynamics um, as naturally as possible. So pretty unusual for a Hollywood movie. Uh, they just yes. shot it, from what I understand, almost entirely chronologically. There might have been a few scenes here or there that, you know, the scenes with like Boreo in the store, they might have, or in the shop, they might have had to push to the end of the shooting schedule or something, but... So I also wanted to touch briefly upon the fact that between all five of these movies and the popular girl clicks, only two girls are women of color. And that's Ashanti as Heather in John Tucker Must Die. And it's sort of, it's pretty much a non-factor in that movie. This is the only one that actually has like a character that actively deals with racism. Um, yeah. And that's Rachel True as Rochelle. And by the way, I think Rachel True is really underrated in this movie. Um, she adds a lot to the character that's not in the script at all. For instance, that whole scene that we mentioned earlier where she's starting to feel regret over what they did to Christine Taylor forcing her hair to fall out. That was her idea. 
Um, really? Yeah. And there are a bunch of lines that she had in the movie that apparently she ad-libbed, like, during the light as a feather stiff as a board scene. A lot of her lines were just ad-libs that she threw in herself. And it was also her idea to wear her hair natural in the movie instead of yeah. straightening it or wearing a weave, which, again, adds so much to her dynamic with Christine Taylor's character. Like, that's such a genius move. Um, it's great that they, like, braid... It was interesting rewatching it. I was like, oh, they did braid her hair in... Christine Taylor's hair in her hair. Well, quote-unquote, you know. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It's interesting to find out after all this has uh, been revealed that that character was not originally written to be black. She was written like every other character to be white. And her issue in that version of the script was that she was bulimic. Um, Yeah. Which I think brings her too close to Bonnie's whole thing. Um, And and I, 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 I'd be curious how it would play out if that's what they ended up with, but it turned out Rachel True gave a great audition. They wanted her, and then they were like, you know what, we can use this. We can make her the only black girl in school and have that play into her insecurities, which I think makes the movie much richer. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's also, this was made at a time when, like, you did not see black girls in mainstream movies, black women in mainstream movies a lot at all, let alone with natural hair. Right. Because, like, even Dion had her hair styled in Clueless. Yeah, she, yeah, she wore braids uh, for most of that movie. And on top of that, she wasn't playing a stereotype at all. I do think the character is maybe the most thinly written of the four girls. But again, Rachel True brings a lot to her. She's from a middle-class family. She's from a largely white community. Um, And she's, you know, alternative. She's kind of gothy. She's kind of punk. And you just didn't see that a whole lot in the mid-90s. And you still don't see it a whole lot today in 2021. Yeah. So thank God she auditioned and they cast her. (laughs) Right. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, this movie came out first of all one year before Buffy the Vampire Slayer premiered so it did it did and this movie was a much bigger hit than anyone expected it made like 55 million dollars off of a 15 million dollar budget or something it was a huge hit I think like people kind of forget how big it was for a while and I think you could argue that stuff like Buffy wouldn't have been as successful without it surprisingly because it is like this dark teen urban fantasy which was not really a thing that existed before the craft right not not with mainstream success anyway even more notable about that is that a year after buffy premiered charmed premiered and right uh there was a time when andrew fleming was trying to sell a tv version of the craft after the movie came out and uh He came, from what I understand, he came very close to signing a deal with either Fox or WB, and then both of them backed out. And then two years later, the WB premiered Charmed, which was about a bunch of witches, and as its theme song, used the Love Spit Love cover of How Soon Is Now, which was Um, recorded for this movie. Oh. Which had... Which, which had Shannon Doherty in it. Shannon Doherty was one of the first cast members. And then when they wrote her out of the show, 
which by the way, not going to go into it, but I don't think they should have written her out of the show. They should have written somebody else out of the show, but they did. And she was effectively replaced by Rose McGowan, who was in Jawbreaker. Woo, that's a sexy segue, by the way. <laughs> I tried. We mentioned Marilyn Manson earlier, and mm-hmm. his cameo was, uh, he was given the cameo because he was engaged to Rose McGowan at the time that the movie was being made. That makes sense. Remember that time? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, Judy Greer said that when she was dressed as Fern, nobody on set paid att- any attention to her. When she transformed into Violet, all of a sudden everyone paid attention to her. However, the men on set seemed more timid while approaching her as Violet. Oh my God. So life imitating art imitating life? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then also about Fern, uh, the character was inspired by Sissy Spacek's Carrie in which PJ Souls and William Cat also appear in that movie. Um, Greer played Miss Desjardins, I forget how to say her last name, in the Carrie remake. She did, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. The, the gym teacher, basically. The, yeah. the nice teacher. Yeah, the good one. Uh, and then that's really all I found on that one, because like the rest of them weren't very interesting to me. <laughs> All right, well then moving on to Mean Girls. I'm gonna try to keep it short and sweet because I think this movie is like very heavily mythologized anyway. I like a lot of people already know the BTS on this, the behind the scenes. (laughs) I know. You see that second of like, what? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I feel like a lot of people probably know that the original screenplay for Mean Girls was much raunchier and would have netted an R rating for sure. Um, And they ended up softening it because Lindsay Lohan had just finished doing Freaky Friday for Disney and she still had this very family-friendly Disney uh, image, sort of a good girl image at that time. And so they decided to soften it into a PG-13 because that would sort of be her transition Transition into into more mature subject matter. Um, Because everything she'd done beforehand was very PG rated. So let's take it one notch up instead of two. There was one actress who ended up having to pass on auditioning because her parents wouldn't let her because they didn't approve of the material. It was Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Really? Yeah, like she could have been in this movie, but her parents didn't approve of the subject matter, so they didn't let her audition. Because was she going to be a plastic, potentially? I, I have no clue. I, I don't know if she was just going to do like a general audition for like all of the main parts and then see which one they liked her best for or what. But her parents were still in, um, very much in control of her career at that point. I don't know exactly how old she was, but obviously she was quite young. Um, uh, And in that version of the script, it's much more clear that Gretchen is supposed to be the ugly one. And they kind of had to throw that out because they cast Lacey Chabert and she's not the ugly one. (laughs) Like like there's not an ugly one in that group. There just can't be. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. Nope, so they made made her... 
well, they made her ugly in Regina's eyes. Right, right. They made her really insecure, which is something that Regina could pounce on. I think it's interesting, the ages of the people involved in this movie. Uh, Lacey Chabert and Lizzie Kaplan were both 21, so, like, not teenagers, but, like, it's not egregious that they were playing teenagers. Um, Amanda Seyfried was, like, 18, and Lindsay Lohan was 17 when they filmed it, so they were still high school age. But Rachel McAdams was 25, and Amy Poehler, who plays her mother, was 32. <laughs> she looks so young, though. She does look so young. And, like... I'm, I mean, that was probably the power of wardrobe hair and makeup as well. Right. And it helps that her character can project a little more maturity yeah. right because she is like the most powerful one it kind of makes sense that she would project the most maturity and confidence all right and i had john tucker must die um obviously my last well first off my last name is not tucker so i just <laughs> it just so happened that i took this movie yeah um wait can we just appreciate really quick that we each share a name with somebody in one of these movies who like needed to be taken down a few notches Oh, I didn't even think of that. Hi, everybody. My name's not really Shady. It's Courtney. <laughs> Although I spell my name not with an H, so... Mm. Bazinga. Uh, <laughs> fun fact number one, since, since shooting took place during an actual school year in an existing high school, the crew had to ask students for permission to use and redress their lockers for shooting. <laughs> right That's, yeah uh the idea of john tucker wearing a thong was not in the original script originally kate talked him into shaving his head betty thomas thought making him wear a thong was funnier while shooting the extras were actually taking pictures of him with their phones so that hallway scene is real <laughs> that's how that's how i read that <laughs> she's right though that is a lot funnier than if he shaved his head also about betty thomas she referred to all the actors by their characters names since she claims she couldn't remember their real names and she wanted to think of them as their character when she forgot their characters names she'd referred to them simply as person <laughs> betty thomas is also is also the woman who played Vera in Troop Beverly Hills, everyone. Person. Holy shit. I want to work with her so bad now. <laughs> Person. Can you imagine her in her Troop Beverly Hills costume right. with a riding crop for whatever reason, just shouting person? <laughs> Betty Thomas, come on the pod and then we can drink together. Come on the pod, Betty Thomas. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> oh my God. She probably has amazing stories. Oh, maybe for a mini sewed? Come oh on the God. pod. Anyone, anyone that we mentioned today yeah. and in the future, come on the pod. <laughs> Pen Badgley, please come on the pod. Pen Badgley, come <laughs> on the pod. And let's, can, we, can we talk about ECA? <laughs> but. Skeet Ulrich, come on the pod. Skeet Ulrich, come on the pod. We love you. I love you as F.P. Jones in Riverdale. 
<laughs> that's a man who has aged exceptionally well. I don't know what his secret is. He is hotter now than he's ever been. Uh, anyway. Special Let's get into final thoughts, shall we? Or we thoughts? Shall. Final thoughts. Mmm, sexy. <laughs> we like to wrap up. Obviously, we've lost our damn minds because we're talking <laughs> about five freaking movies. So we're gonna wrap it up by asking five questions. Hooray! Are there any other movies like this? I want to mention because it's not really like this, but it, I feel like it has a lot of the same DNA. Have you seen GBF? Yes, and yes, I can understand that. But uh, so it reminds me a lot. It me- it mentions Mean Girls a lot, so obviously there's a lot of influence there. It reminds me of John Tucker because it's three of the popular girls from different cliques. Um, but also, it was written and directed by Darren Stein, who wrote and directed Jawbreaker. Oh, it's like and, the missing puzzle piece for yeah, some of these movies. Yeah. And then uh, another one I wanted to mention because I think it does use the same theme of taking down a popular person, but in a very different kind of high school. So the person they're taking down is a very different type of personality. Saved. Ooh. Yes. I wrote down First Wives Club. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because a lot of the trivia on that I saw for John Tucker Must Die mentioned that. Yeah, I see that it. That it was like first first wives in high school. Um, Carrie, because mentioned that earlier, and right. you can tie in the supernatural element of the craft. Um, she's and pick, pick a girl from any of these movies. <laughs> Like any of the main girls from any of these movies, that's yeah. her. Um, I also want to mention the craft legacy, although it, they don't really overturn a popular person. It's just that there's a lot of obviously similar elements, which we may right. we may do as a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. And then Assassination Nation. Have you seen this movie? No, it's on my to watch the list though. There are four girls that basically have to uh, fight a town. So there's some elements that are similar, and obviously yeah. they're besties. And this one and The Craft Legacy has a trans actress and character as part of the clique. That's like a, a newer right. storyline that we can bring up and everything. Right. I have a question just as an offshoot of this. Can you think of any movies that you would consider sort of a gender-swapped version of this? Covenant? (laughs) Covenant Chronicle, yeah, very much The Craft. Chronicle is basically The Craft, but boys and superhero stuff. Covenant, they do have to go against another boy. It's a group of four boys adding on a fifth, but they have to then turn and go against him. And Taylor Kitsch is one of them, and he has a very small part in John Tucker Must Die. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, can't, I can't think of a gender swap. Okay, it's different because it's 
it's one guy like he has three friends that help him but he's pretty much doing it as a solo mission pretty much but the movie the new guy is about dj qualls very nerdy guy who gets himself to transfer school transform himself into like this badass i think that's kind of just because social hierarchies i feel like work very differently for boys than they do for girls at that age just because of the way they're socialized for the most part that's a broad generalization um but i think that's the closest you're gonna get to like a strong gender swap of one of these movies because the there's another movie that i'm thinking of and i uh charlie bartlett i think that's the name of it oh with I haven't anton seen yelkin that. yeah i haven't seen it but i know of it but that one and the new guy, if I'm remembering it correctly, it's about them dominating the school, not to take down another clique, per right. se. Well, in the new guy, how he becomes the big man on campus is by convincing everyone that he's beat up the big man on campus. Ah, right. <laughs> um, right. I, that, that is a movie that I love and I probably shouldn't love. No, <laughs> it, it's it's problematic. It's a, a lot of a lot of rewatching these movies as we talked about in previous episodes. Um, yeah, they don't live them up, with modern eyes. They, right, they don't live up to our standards uh, culturally. They they didn't age well. <laughs> they they aged like cheese instead of wine or right. skeetoric. <laughs> um. Did we like these movies? I'm going to say yes. I say yes to all five. I do feel like I don't love the craft as much as I should. (gasps) Okay, wait. Okay, okay. I I like it. I don't love it, but I feel like I should love it. At least you are cognizant of it. (laughs) I, I I I appreciate it. Um, I, d- I think like it just kind of deflates for me near the climax. It could get a lot tighter. And well, you're I'm gonna be so mad when you when we have to do the le- the, uh, the craft legacy then. Oh man! <laughs> but I do appreciate a lot of what it did. Um, versus like Jawbreaker and John Tucker Must Die, I think are two movies that deserve to be remembered much better than they are. Mm. Uh, well, you kind of answered this, but would we watch them again? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'd watch all of them again. Yeah. Um, would we recommend them? Yes. And then Jawbreaker oh. would be the one that I'm most cautious about who I recommend it to because it is so surreal and it's so even like compared to Heather's, it gets so dark. I feel like Heather's you have to give a trigger warning. Yeah, we do live in a post Columbine society now. Right. I mean, it it comes with it already because of pop culture, but, like, you have to be, like, it's super dark comedy. Mm. And, like, really, you really have to contextualize when it was made because it was made long before school shootings were something we read about a lot. Yes. Are they actually the same... I think you said this earlier, or you may have said it to me before we recorded. Nope, you said this earlier. They are in the same universe. I don't think, they're not the same story by any means, really. No, they're variations on a theme. But, but they're, like, they're like the, 
they're in the same solar system, but they're different planets. You know. Yes. Heather's is your Mercury. Jawbreaker is Jupiter, etc. <laughs> mean Girls is Sailor Moon. Um, <laughs> and then I want to add a sixth question. Oh, okay. Rank them. Oh, okay. Oh, geez. <sighs> Let me think. All right. Um, my apologies, because I do really, really appreciate what it has done. And there are so many great elements about it. I just don't love the craft. So I'm going to rank that. That's going to be my number five. Okay. And then John Tucker Must Die, although I do love it. And I think it deserves a better reputation than it has. And then... We're not saying that you hate them. It's just no, like, obviously no. you... Positive opinions about all of them. But, right. but so the craft number five, John Tucker Must Die number four. I'm going to do Heather's number three. Mean Girls number two. I fucking love Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker is one of my favorite movies. Okay. I, I love all of them, too. Mm -hmm. Don't come at me, okay. Shady, or oh. listener. Unfortunately, I'm going to go based off of my exposure to them. So Jawbreaker is number five. It's the least, it's the least exposure I've had, unfortunately. It's still a great movie. I mean, oh, John Tucker acquired taste that kind of movie, right? Too, uh, John Tucker Must Die is like right above it at number four. I'm gonna say Mean Girls is number three, and I'm wow. very unfortunate by saying that okay. because because I love the craft, and mm -hmm. that's number two, and okay. then Heather's is number one because Heather's is the mother of these movies. If Heather, I feel like bold statement. If Heather's didn't happen I don't think a lot of these element a lot of the elements in these movies would not have been so popular to comment on in the future movies I'll agree with some of them I still think Mean Girls would have happened and Mean Girls would have been exactly the same because it is based off of a self-help book too and then Mean Girls would not have been compared to Heather's all the time yeah that's true <laughs> I, I do think Mean Girls would have happened independently, but I think that Heather's helps its legacy. It certainly yes. helps to have another iconic movie to be compared to. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. If you want to at me for liking Heather's, you can. Why on would? Twitter. Okay, Heather's is a very popular movie. If anyone <laughs> wants to at you, they are asking to be added themselves. <laughs> Fair. But if you want to at me for whatever reason, you can. I'm at Movies John on Twitter. And if you want to at me for liking Jawbreaker or for not loving the craft, I'm really sorry. Uh, you can at me at Cookie Shady. Shady, what kind of a cookie are you this episode? Uh, I, you know what? You ask me this all the time now, and I never think about it ahead of time. And I that's should. fine. Improv, improv, baby. <laughs> I'm can't think of a cookie now. That's fine. You're you're just a cookie. You're whatever uh, cookie you want to be. <laughs> what they changed the names of them. They used to be Samoa's, uh, the Girl Scout cookie with the coconut and the caramel. What are they? I know which one you're talking. I have no idea, but that's what you are. That's what I am. I'm a Samoa, <laughs> but we have to change the name because it's like vaguely insensitive. <laughs> It, it is intensive. It is intensive. <laughs> There's nothing big about it. 
<laughs> and if you know the name of this cookie and you want to tell us, you can email us at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and the Insta at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And we're on Twitter at Movie Deja Vu. No pod. Why is that shady? Because we thought we were playing a prank on it, but we killed it. <laughs> yes. And or gave it estrogen. And or gave it estrogen. Um, and then if you want to be part of next week's episode, we're going to be talking about Moonstruck versus My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It's another fan submission, y'all. I'm excited. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. So I'm going to snap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. I guess bye for now. We're going to the prom. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye.